Welcome to On the Road to No Place Left. This is Feeney, and I'm driving as we learn to share the gospel, make disciples, and reproduce leaders and churches until there is no place left where the name of Jesus hasn't been heard. This is season two, where we're learning from people pursuing no place left that are not getting paid by a ministry or church. Today I'm interviewing John, a college student from Boone, North Carolina. If this is your first No Place Left podcast, I'd encourage you to listen to a few episodes in season one of On the Road. We explored what No Place Left means in a simple framework called the Four Fields. Check out the show notes for direct links to season one episodes and some other episodes that have more of the story that John's telling. Listen after the interview for how to leave a comment or ask a question, and most importantly, how to jump in to pursue No Place Left yourself. What's been the best part of your last week or so? Best part uh, that comes to mind is kind of, well, it's been Christmas. And so it's probably been that. Um, my fiance and uh, her side of the family does like a Christmas with her dad's side, her mom's side. Uh, and then also her brother and sister-in-law were doing something because um, they had just they just had a baby a few months ago. And then there, we were going wanted to do Christmas my family as well so like trying to balance four christmases but um it, it was really amazing it, it all worked out perfectly just like the timing of it and so that was really cool to be able to get down there see like be around her, her family um and her being able to be around mine some more just seeing how it all worked out like perfectly like figuring out four christmases in the span of a week I'm thinking about how much food you probably consumed. At least if you were like me, it's like, okay, I've had enough enough Christmases at this point. <laughs> Pretty good amount of food. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing that worked out too is, yeah, you know Mike Puckett, you actually, you yep. have yeah. talked to him. He come in from California and was up here in Boone. I ended up driving three hours from my hometown to her hometown up to Boone, which is an hour 20, back there, down to Charlotte, back to Thomasville. So I probably drove all told maybe 10 plus hours. Wow. Were you at App State when uh, Puck was there? I came in in 2016. Okay. Um, so I was probably worked with him for about two years. Yeah, well, let's just jump in there then. Tell me uh, what connection you have to, to No Place Left. Yeah, um, so I think it kind of starts Super backstory. I was born in a Christian home. Uh, my parents were international missionaries um, with IMB when I was like very young. Um, and then my dad's been a, a preacher for the past 15 years. But I think really my story, like no place left, uh, starts my senior year. I was applying to colleges and I got an opportunity through like some uh, scholarship the thing was, if you came from like a certain income, you could um, basically apply to, they would pay the application fee for up to 12 colleges. You just had to pay the fee to send them the SAT. And if you got into one of them, like if you were like one of the first groups to get in, you got like a full four year ride. If you were like in the second group to get into that, to the colleges, you got just a lot of scholarship money. And it was colleges that I never like would have ever applied to in a million years. It was like Stanford, I think Duke came on the next year. Tons of colleges and I was like, oh, this is great. So I applied to I think 12 or 10 or something. And um, and outside of that, I only applied to uh, two colleges. I was like really sure I was going to get in because it always kind of felt like everything in my life went at least kind of right. But every single, like no college 
accepted me. So like when I figured that out, like I think I was like I was like heartbroken and I was like borderline like felt angry at God at that point because um, I'm like, what did I do wrong? Like I was so sure this was gonna happen. And then the other two colleges were just too expensive for me to attend, even with the scholarship money that I had. So I was like, ah, gosh, like I don't, I have no clue what I'm gonna do. My dad one night was uh, around and he saw that App State was doing like rolling admissions at the time. He's like, you know, we could put in an application here. We could go check. I was like, okay. So I applied, I got admitted. Uh, they accepted it. It was like in two days, uh, came up here toward it. At the end of the interview, my dad looked over and he said, like, what do you think? And I'm like, like, this is the college. Like mm. in my head, like, I just felt like this complete peace, like being there, it just felt like home. So when I got here, I wanted to find like a ministry or, or something on campus to get a part, be a part of. And I feel like I was like looking, but like not actually looking kind of. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I remember looking at a few, I thought of, I like walked past one of the bigger ones that had like 200, 300 people. Um, and I'm like, eh, that's too many people. I kept walking. And then one day I was checking like my my on-campus post office box. I had like this flyer in the mail. This is like discipleship making training. And I was like, I, that sounds weird. I don't know what that is. Hmm. I, I felt like a voice inside me saying like, you need to go to that. You should go to that. I was like, yeah, but like, I don't want to. Like, it's like seven o'clock on a Tuesday. It'd be like playing video game or something. So I decided to go to, it was Baptist Campus Ministries at the time. And they're talking about like making disciples and like some guys shared the three circles and like going out to go share the gospel. And they're like, yeah, at the end, just come on up and like sign up. We've got sign up sheets to do it. I don't know. I still don't know why I decided to do this, but I felt like I needed to go tell Huck and I felt like I needed to go tell them like that I thought was really cool what they were doing, uh, but I, I didn't want any part of it basically. Like really cool that you guys are doing it great. You'll never see him again type thing. Oh man. So, so I go up there and I'm like, hey, and Huck's like, hey man, when are you going out with us? And I'm like, you know, that is exactly, yeah, I totally came up here because I wanted to do that. So like I, <laughs> I signed up to go out. My tip was to basically tell them that I wasn't. And so, and in my head, I was like, great, I signed up for it. I have to go. Yeah. But I, I ended up uh, going out. Um, I probably did terribly. I was super introverted at the time, and I still kind of am, so I probably did uh, just the worst. Um, but that got me to come back. And so that, that's how it all started. And then from there, we went from being like in ministry to uh, changing our name to Church in the Harvest and becoming a church and all the struggles that come with that and trying to grow disciples. That reminds me of actually just a story I had yesterday. I did a uh, training at my home church and then we went out to the harvest, but the, <laughs> the sweet older lady was like, basically told me how she tried to like avoid coming. She was like, I don't know exactly what you just said. Like, and then all of a sudden she found herself there. So that's awesome. It's cool that God will kind of move us along. Out of curiosity, do you remember any stories from like that first, whether that actual first time you went out or early on, like what 
Um, you obviously grew up in a Christian home, so it's not like you're unfamiliar. Yeah. Like myself, it's like, well, of course we should share the gospel. But anything that in that kind of early time really grabbed a hold of yet, or is like, wow, this is, yeah, this is different, or this is really for me. Well, I think the biggest thing wasn't the fact that I was necessarily sharing the gospel, uh, but I think the biggest thing was like I was starting to obey Jesus in a way that was very uncomfortable for me because like I said, I'm introverted. So doing it, like I'll go up and talk to a stranger and like offer to pray for them and, and share with them. That felt very on me and very, and my hand still shakes when I share with people. So I can't imagine what it was like the first time I did it. Um, you're, you're really good at the broken arrows coming out of the three circles. Yeah, they were. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think because I was doing that kind of obvious open thing it was started to make it easier for me to obey jesus in other areas where i wasn't um so at the time i was struggling with uh like an addiction to like pornography and really struggling with with that and um just holding on to other things in my life that i felt like i should be able to control like going out and like sharing the gospel and like having this radical obedience in this place that's uncomfortable uh, started to make it easier for me to give up those other things that I was holding on to um, and turn more to Jesus for that. And so that's, I think, probably the, the biggest thing from that first year is it, is it broke down a lot of other barriers for me um, to let Jesus really fill up all of my life and not just what I wanted him to fill up. And I've been guilty of this. We sometimes kind of anything, no place left, it, it can almost just get held up that we're like, oh, that's like a door-to-door evangelism method. And then like uh, what you just described is actually the bigger heart. That is, we simply obey Jesus. Yes, of course, in sharing the gospel, but uh, we just need to, to take over any part of our life that's not submitted to him. That's where we see, that's really the, the root or birthplace of movement that we would be just all submitted disciples to Jesus. So, wow, that's awesome. I'd love to know now, like, what is, what's God doing there at Boone? What's going on with Church in the Harvest? Just kind of give us an update. He is doing a lot, I feel like, compared to what we've seen before. Super short backstory. What happened my freshman year, 2016, there's about 20 or so people. A few of them graduated, and some of them just disappeared over the summer. And so my sophomore year, I came back, and there's 20 people. And I want to say about seven of them were familiar faces. Junior comes around, and I want to say about the same thing happens. So you're seeing like uh, people leave and go and leave and go. But then that year, we just got this people that were just totally different than the other years. They were just super committed. They had really strong, uh, different backgrounds, different stuff like that. They were really just prepared by God, I think, for that time. At the end of last semester, we decided we were going to send out a few of them as leaders to start a church and that some of the members would go with them um, because we were facing a problem of we know all of these people are going to come back uh, and not the problem of how many are going to come back. This year, they've started a church that meets kind of on campus, but also off campus in one of their apartments. They've seen a salvation, which is super cool to see, like that church that you've sent out, like, uh, have somebody come to faith and they have faithfully um, done like sharing the gospel and met as a healthy church and then in Church and the Harvest we've seen a few uh, salvations and some baptisms including one from a 
girl that I baptized, and that was kind of a a proud moment. Like, oh, I got to help baptize that person. She just baptized somebody. So, um, wow, that's awesome. It felt it felt really cool just to see that and know that I got to like not do it, but like play a part in what God was doing. It's a good feeling. And then we've we've had a lot of follow ups with people, a lot of sharing. It's been a little less than other years, I want to say. It's it's hard to tell, but it's it's hard to tell because it feels like it's been less. But then I feel like kind of like every week or every other week, somebody mentions like, oh yeah, I'm meeting with this person that I shared the gospel with, and we're talking about Jesus. And it's like I didn't know this was happening. That's that's great. I think that's probably been the biggest praise is that a big praise, but one that's hard for me to deal with because I like to know everything. But it's at the same time cool to see people just kind of doing it um, and starting to pick it up and keep doing it. And then we've kind of seen the same thing in in the community. There's some locals that uh, meet uh, and have have church on Sunday nights and hearing them kind of tell the same stories and uh, seeing them do the work, even though they're like bivocational people with real jobs and like a real life and not just like student slash part-time work, but like real-time work. There was a couple in that church who was meeting with them and they've stopped coming because they're doing it now in their house with people that they've met. It's really cool to see kind of like what we've talked about happen, like happening. Cause that's four house churches that I, that I know of. It is just cool to see people just doing it because that's what they feel like they need to be doing. Um, it's been amazing. Yeah, that's really great. Tell me what you do. I know right now we're talking in the break, but when you get in your more regular rhythm of school and stuff, what what do you do? And then how does that play into what you just talked about, just the rhythms of sharing the gospel, discipling people, meeting as church? So I am, uh, of course, a student, so I've got my classes. I also work, uh, starting this year, I work part-time as a police officer for the department that's on campus. Scheduling every semester being a student and every single semester I've worked two or three different jobs. Every semester looks a little different because you have to build your class schedule and figure out the work schedule. I'm actually looking forward to this next semester because I only have three classes. Mm -hmm. So that gives me a lot more time to work with. But the nice thing about class is I know exactly when I'll be there. So I know that for from this amount of time, I can't go out and share the gospel. I can't disciple. I can't do anything. But that means I also know like when my openings are exactly. Um, and also being just working part time, I get to choose my schedule. We're like these are like the assignments you can like choose to work, which allows me to to again build that schedule and choose stuff that will work to leave. You know, because most people probably aren't going to want to meet work or meet up at, like nine o'clock at night. So it's like okay, if I can find shifts that are later in the evening that'll leave my day open for me to meet with people, have follow-ups. But this semester was, was I know, was extremely difficult to try and find time because I was working, um, part of my work was my internship and I had class. So like I had these weird, weirdly specific times that I can meet. Um, and so it's like, okay, I can meet from like 2.30 to like 3.30, but then I have to leave. And then I can also meet from like 5.30 until 6, but then I've got to go. And so this year was probably the hardest struggle because it was the most I had to do. Having all that to do was like, I can't have a lot of meetups with people because 
the more I schedule for, the less I can like, everything, one more thing that I schedule is one less thing that I can do later. So it's like when I share with someone and they want to do a follow-up, it's like, you can do, like the person I'm sharing with, like you can meet with them, right? You've got this, you know, yeah. that, that's been the hard part. But, but what I learned from this semester is just like, when you have all that stuff to do, when you only have so much time, you have to be very intentional and in like choosing what you want to do and intentional to get that done. And sometimes I was good at that and sometimes I was bad at it. When did you gather as part of that? I don't even know. What what was the just the regular rhythm for Church in the Harvest? Our meeting time for church is we tend to get dinner together um, at 6.30 and then we start church at about 7.30 or so and we'll go to about 9.30ish, I want to say. But the really nice thing about being on campus is there's a place in our student union kind of in the corner on the third floor where people just kind of go to hang out. Um, And so being on campus, you can, okay, I have 20 minutes before my next class. I'm going to go see if there's anyone up there just to talk to them. It's really unique, I think, because a lot of times, like in real life, there's not like this one gathering place where people that's central. Um, but I think that's been really beneficial for for us. And it's definitely been beneficial for me because I get to go up there and there's Bob who I can't see because we have classes at the same time and work at the different times. So I only see him at church, but now I get to see him now because we have this one break. And is that, that what you just described? Is that primarily you just to kind of connect with other people in your church or is that even harvest time? Just like natural, like, oh, there's people to meet here. It's mostly been hanging out fellowship time you actually kind of hit on something that we've been trying to work on is getting more more going out time to share the gospel because it's like all right we have there's like six of us sitting in a corner so like it's good to have the fellowship but also let's maybe go and utilize that time to share mm-hmm. so that that's been the harder part is trying to get like a consistent time to go out and share so we didn't have one this year and for a while that kind of tapered off at the end we had a consistent time on mondays where we were like prayer walking the campus um but that kind of tapered out too that's it's harder to get like a a group of people or, or we've at least struggled with trying to like get a group of people to be consistent in that kind of time what what are some of like uh, either simple tools or simple things that have really helped you guys, uh, whether help keep you on focus and as far as like a no place left vision or just helped you personally in your walk with Jesus or in gospel sharing? The first one that always comes to mind for me is just the three circles, just because it's really easy to just share the gospel and show people that and have people understand and experience it, I feel like. Um, so that's one one of my favorite tools. I love using that. Um, as for a, a greater vision for like the church, definitely the the church circle or nine functions of a healthy church, because we're having I know for me and other people coming out of more of a traditional church background, being able to biblically back up that we're a church and this is what we need to be doing to be a healthy one, because a lot of people are coming out of churches that are not necessarily healthy. I know for like me, like I come from a good church that's just not the healthiest. So like seeing a model that says like this is what healthy church is, this is what we need to strive to do and be um, has been super beneficial. It's also been nice. 
I'm not sure who pointed this out to me or where it came from, but like you look at it and say like the church is made up of people and disciples. So the church needs to be doing these nine functions, but the disciples inside the church need to be like doing these nine functions as well. Um, and when someone said that, I was like, yes, <laughs> that's like, oh, that makes so much sense. And so I think that's been really good too, because you can be like, because you can get, I think, trapped in the vision of like, all right, the church has to be multiplying, the church has to be um, baptizing and doing all this stuff. It's like, well, before the church as a whole can do it, we need to look at our disciples and say like, our, and look at ourselves as well. Be like, am I doing this? And am I teaching other people to do this in their own personal lives? One of our people asked us like, so this like church thing, like what we're doing here at Church on the Harvest, like, could I do this if I wanted to? It's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can. Where do you personally just see yourself going from here? You're obviously getting close to um, wrapping up. And then how will just what you learned here or what you've learned at Church in the Harvest and learned on the four fields, like how will that, where will that go with you? For myself, uh, for the next few years, I see myself kind of being in the Boone area. Um, I'm hoping to get a job uh, in, in this area kind of locally. I honestly just love this place and the people here and, and then with Fourfield, uh, just no place left, all these tools, um, I really hope that they go with me wherever I go. Like, I want to say that they will. I'm sitting here, I'm kind of reminded of the psalm, like, taste and see that the Lord is the Lord is good. And, like, when you taste something good, you want you want more of it because it's, like, that's really, it's really enjoyable. This is, this is good. And I kind of feel that way. Like, I've tasted that this stuff, like, what's happening is good and that's advancing the Lord's kingdom. And so I want, I want more of it. I loved a couple of things in John's story. First was this, obeying Jesus in a way that's uncomfortable, like going out and sharing the gospel, led to him obeying Jesus in other areas of life. I think that's gold. Second, the reminder that the gospel focus is always the first thing that drifts. That's a great challenge for me. It's a great challenge for all of us to check ourselves, our groups, churches and ministries to make sure that sharing the message of Jesus is central to what we're doing. If you have any follow-up questions for me or my guest, you can check out the show notes or use this number 321-209-3899. Call or text your question and we'll get an answer back to you. To wrap up, I want to challenge you, if you're listening right now, I want to challenge you to make prayer for no place left a priority in your life. It's summer 2020 at the time of this recording, and we're seeking around the world, around the clock prayer for no place left. We want to see every people in every place with a chance to respond to the gospel. To get involved in this 24-7 prayer initiative, visit noplaceleft.net slash 24-7 prayer. That's noplaceleft.net forward slash 247 prayer. This is Feeney. Thanks for listening. Keep sharing the gospel, making disciples, and reproducing leaders and churches until there is no place left where the name of Jesus hasn't been heard.